In our consideration of the moral character of God, we have come to the discussion, what do we know about the truthfulness of God from the Bible? And we have quoted that wonderful verse in Exodus 34, 6, where God declared unto Moses that he was the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth. We have seen that the moral character of God consists in his voluntary choice of benevolence as an end of his existence, or that God has chosen to govern himself in perfect love toward all his creatures. As we have considered the attributes of this moral character of God, we have seen that it was one of holiness, it was one of righteousness, it was a character of loving-kindness and mercy, and it was a character of wisdom, or God had exercised all the faculties of his being toward the end of benevolence or love, and devised ways and means to bless others. And so we come to read further on the wonderful declarations of Scripture, where God is declared to be a God of truth, and so God is truthful in all his actions and may be absolutely depended upon. Is this not a wonderful assertion in this world of variation and suspicion? So in Jeremiah chapter 4 and verse 2 we read, And thou shalt swear, The Lord liveth in truth, in judgment, and in righteousness, and the nations shall bless themselves in him, and in him shall they glory. So God liveth in truth. Is this not wonderful? God is not living in pretense of any sort. He is living in absolute truth. Satan, as our Lord Jesus pointed out, is living in deception. He is not acknowledging to himself his true character. He is not living in the truth of the great God. But how wonderful that God is living in perfect truth. And in the 10th chapter of Jeremiah, verses 10 to 13, But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and an everlasting king. And at his wrath the earth shall tremble, and the nations shall not be able to abide his indignation. Thus shall ye say unto them, The gods that have not made the heavens and the earth even they shall perish from the earth and from under these heavens. He hath made the earth by his power. He hath established the world by his wisdom and hath stretched out the heavens by his discretion. When he uttereth his voice, there is a multitude of waters in the heavens, and he causeth the vapors to ascend from the ends of the earth. He maketh lightnings with rain and bringeth forth the wind out of his treasure. Here we have various assertions as to the greatness of God. But how wonderful it is that this great God is a God who liveth in truth, or is a true God. Our blessed Lord Jesus came into this world to manifest the true nature of God, to live among men, yet without sin. And so we read in the first chapter of John's Gospel, verse 14, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So our Lord Jesus Christ was full of truth as he came to manifest 
the essential nature of the great God. In the eighth chapter of John and verse 26, our Lord Jesus ascribes truth to the Father. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. So the great God and Father is declared by our Lord Jesus Christ to be absolutely true. This also occurs in another reference. In the 14th chapter of John's Gospel and verse 17, also in the 15th and 16th chapters of John's Gospel, we have the title or the name of the Holy Spirit given as the Spirit of Truth. And I will pray the Father, our Lord Jesus said, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. So the very name of the Holy Spirit is given to be the Spirit of Truth, and certainly truthfulness is the very essence of the being and personality of the Holy Spirit. In the 15th chapter of John's Gospel, verse 1, our Lord affirmed his own truthfulness when he said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. So our Lord Jesus Christ was true in his very essence. In that great 17th chapter of John's Gospel, where our Lord Jesus is uttering his great high priestly prayer with great passion of heart, he said in verse 3, And this is life eternal, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. So the great God and Father is again asserted to be the only God of truth, or the only true God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 9, we read about the wonderful conversion experience of this Thessalonian church. And there we read, For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Here they turned toward God, away from the idols, to yield obedience to the God who was living and true. How remarkable to be delivered from all falseness into a living consciousness of a life of truthfulness with the great God. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 27, we read again concerning the Holy Spirit as being true. Here he is the anointed one who comes upon us. As Christians who have repented of sin and turned to God in penitence, been forgiven, been wonderfully blessed, in the mercy of God. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as this same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So the Holy Spirit, who anoints the Christian into the wonderful body of Christ, is said to be truth. How glorious to turn from a life of falsehood into a life of truthfulness, away from the guilt and power of sin into the wonderful consciousness of the life of God, a wonderful deliverance from all deception 
bondage, falsehood. Again in 1 John 5.20 we read, And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding, that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Here we have reference to the truthfulness of the glorious being of the Godhead. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7, we have a declaration concerning God that he is holy and true. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things said he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. So the great God of the heaven is holy and true. This expression also occurs in the sixth chapter of Revelation and verse 10. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell upon the earth? This is looking forward to the great tribulation period. And in the face of these great judgments, the saints of God are declaring that God is holy and true in all his dealings with men. In the 19th chapter, Revelation, verse 11, where we read, The returning Lord Jesus in glory and power shall be given the name Faithful and True. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. So the great God is affirmed to be true in all his dealings with men. But in the second place, the Bible affirms that God in three persons is the source of all truth, or the embodiment of truth. We turn to the 25th Psalm, where in verse 5 we read, Lead me in thy truth, and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. So God is the source of truth. And the psalmist prayed that he might be led into God's great manifestation and his great life of truth. In the 43rd Psalm and verse 3 we read, O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. So the prayer is offered that God, the source of all truth, might send forth his moral light and his moral truth. In the 57th Psalm, verse 3, we read, He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. Selah. God had sent forth his mercy and his truth. So God is the source of all truth that is manifested in the earth. In the 10th verse we read, For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Similarly, in the 108th Psalm, verses 3 to 5, I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth. So here 
the psalmist is affirming the great and glorious ascendancy of the manifested truth of God, God being the source of all truth. And in Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 8, we read concerning the God of truth again. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will save my people from the east country and from the west country, and I will bring them, and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. Here the prophet is looking forward to the glorious end of the age, when the Lord Jesus Christ shall return to establish his dominion. And here God is called the God of truth and the God of righteousness. How wonderful that we may make our peace with the God of truth, and how satisfying to be adjusted and reconciled to the great God of truth, that we may live with God in the truthfulness of God's wonderful manifested power, His wonderful personality, that we may cease to hide from the great God of truth, even as Adam and Eve had to hide after their fall. They felt the guilt of their own conscience. They no longer could enjoy God's truth. But now is the day of reconciliation. May we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we pray that many may repent of all falseness and of all sin and come to the cross of Jesus Christ, where through faith they may find forgiveness and reconciliation to the great God of truth. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.